This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friends, which includes, but is not limited to, our UFC. Better? Hi, Guapa. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I was wondering where you were going. I, was, I meant to like put a word after UFC, and then I forgot what it was, and then I was like, oh, whatever, go better. I thought you were doing a, a Landon thing where you put FC on the end of everything. Oh, wow. I, I everything's FC. Wait a minute. Everything's FC. football club. How long have we had this Steelers jersey for? Uh, it was a gift from... I think an Academy member, maybe six months That ago. has been right there for over months. a year. Yeah. Why no, is it not, not in the long, shot? I feel, like, I feel like this is very... We, we've I tried, can't, Landon, but the reflection of the glass is pretty tough to like... To take it out also, I'm just running out of wall room. I, oh, I do have a two shot. I, th I thought you were going to bring it to, to my child who's sitting on the couch. What? My child was sitting right there. I thought oh, you were gonna, your child. I thought you were going to only friends push it to her. Uh, Would have been a good idea. Oh, I only do that for children of that have good parents a two, yeah, a two, a good parent. two family home you know wow you, you guys <laughs> you guys all came in hot this morning you were all yelling at each other already before we got on air what else is fucking what, new what's, yeah what's going on what do you mean that's what we do every day do you have a domestic fight between the three of you as a matter of fact we were kind of soft this morning there was no yelling yeah. in the mean. house you mean no here there was yelling just now in here no there was not you don't know what yelling is. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm British. Ye yelling is anything above like normal voice no, temperature. No, no, no. So it kind of yells point. at you and says, I'll show you yelling. Right, yeah. I got to get used to American yelling. It's probably much louder yeah. than my ears can handle. No, you'd want to kill Landon if you hear him yell. Like you'd literally just want to stop and kill he him. He does screech a bit. Well, he's young. He's got like, he's got more energy in his lungs, you know? Yeah, but you still would just want to kill him. He just no. like you would be intern like you could have nothing to do with the conversation, and you would get so annoyed at hearing him yell that you would just start flipping. Wow, <laughs> this is an insight into what life is like in, in you guys' household. Well, it's more of an insight into what goes on in Conrad's brain. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know that he speaks for everybody. Fair enough. Every time he starts yelling, I'm ready to kill him. Shocker, your patience is thin. Yeah. Who would have guessed? I ain't got patience. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It shows. Uh, we, got a, we got a fun one today. We are going to get into Strat Chat a little bit down the line. We're going to be talking suited connectors and small pairs. Everybody's favorite hands to, to get in the mix with, you know, based off the old Doyle super system. I mean, bottom uh, range. Old school. Well, depends on how you define bottom. I would sure. consider it close to top, but that's just me. Yeah, you yeeted in 50K with 5-4. Sometimes you have to, you know. I really didn't have a choice. It was a stand-up game. I love that you actually you didn't know about that hand. I'm, I might have repressed it. He forgot. What, what's to repress? I almost scooped. <laughs> just the action. I mean, you cold four bet five high. You got to just roll with it, bro. You know, sometimes you got to be, be a little courageous. Um, before we get to that, though, I want to get Hunt's opinions on a few things that we talked about yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, there was... Well, actually... Before I bring that up, I guess let's talk about this uh, GG uh, Sunday outage that took place. It looks like it was this past Sunday, so a few days ago. Um, they canceled most of their slate, 
and they are planning on making up the $1,500. Was it a WSOP event? I assume. Yeah, it was a bracelet event. Yeah, so uh, they're planning on making up the $1,500 bracelet event. Um, and it seems as though, in spite of the fact that it was started and then rescheduled for seven days later, you have no choice but to play should you have already entered the event. So, in other words, uh, if you were in the event in any aspect, I, I'm not sure at what point it got canceled or, or paused or whatever. Um, but if you were in the event this past Sunday, it's now rescheduled for next Sunday. And if you can't make it, tough on you. So you're, if, you're, if you're already in the event and then they cancel it and move it to a different day, you can't unregister. Correct. Yes. That is insanely stupid. One of the dumbest things I think a site could possibly do. And when asked or pressed, and granted, I'm just reading a Discord exchange from what I assume is customer support of GG and uh, one of the regs, Gilly, who posted it. When asked and pressed if there was any scenario where they could uh, not play, the support says, I understand this may not be preferred, the preferred scenario. However, this decision has been made to ensure fairness for all participants and to provide an opportunity for players to compete for WSOP glory. What's, oh, how generous of them. For the glory! I wonder if this was a day two it couldn't have been it had to be a day no. one right yeah yeah if yeah. you're already in day two you wouldn't want to unreg but if it's the beginning of yeah, the event yeah, yeah. they move it to a different day of course you're gonna unreg are it's you not wild. entertained i don't <sighs> i kind of i do find it kind of funny that it's like a reg asking because like he's like 100 percent playing on next sunday no matter what well <laughs> so. i mean i'm not i'm not positive he's a reg he just right. got reshared by um by uh brokus so i assume you know, he probably plays fair much or a fair amount. Uh, yeah. There's a follow up to this. Uh, he just posted it. He said, A reply from Jason Kuhn, very much appreciated clarification and potentially a solution for those who are affected. So it looks like this might have actually gotten resolved, which is great. Um, wow. Oh, no. Oh, we need a new. Come on, uh, cat. We need a new. He just took it out on Chauncey. That's fucked up. Yeah. Man. Jealous? Uh, so Jason says, uh, I think this is what's going to happen. Can't promise, but this isn't my because this isn't my department. But I believe each player who contacts them directly, expressing that the dates of the rescheduled tournament do not work for them, will receive a refund after the tournament is complete. So express to them on your Discord channel and write them in an email just to be safe. If you end up not getting your money back after all of this, message me along with your friends who are affected, and I'll do my best to help in any way I can. I apologize for the mess. Always, always gracious Good that jason coon. coon always rely on uh, on jay coon yeah he, he's out there doing doing the work for the people um so yeah I, I mean obviously like that seems like a reasonable uh i guess outcome it sucks that you have to go through that added layer because i'm sure that there are probably people who are unaware and don't mm -hmm. have access to support well I'm, I'm mostly thinking of recreationals yeah um but also recreationals are probably just kind of happy to have the event rescheduled and get after it, assuming they don't have a prior commitment that won't allow them to be there. I guess mm -hmm. it's just the prior commitment thing where if you didn't have one or you, if you did have one and you're reckoning you're going to play like, oh, I can't next Sunday. Yeah. And you just get boned out of 1500 bucks. which feels bad. Yeah. yeah. It's extremely bad. Well, I, I guess, yeah, I'm speaking on their behalf because I would assume most of them can't really work the back channels like this. Mm -hmm. They're either not on Twitter, not on Discord, don't have access to message Jay Coon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. A lot of them, uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, I imagine GG can probably monitor how many people just don't show up 
that are pre-regged and blind out, right? Mm-hmm. It's just interesting why that's not in the in the thing that they had going on. Where it's like if you're not here, if you don't play a tournament, you'll just get refunded. Yeah. Oh, I, similar to like live WSOP. It seems like it should just kind of be by default. Yeah. Yeah, there's no obvious way to game that that stands out to me, but I gave it three seconds of thought, so who knows? I, I can't imagine any reason why it wouldn't just be the standard that if you haven't yet actually taken your seat, you can unregister at any time. Right, well, with like, online, you just instantly get your seat. Well, yeah, the, but I mean, if, the, if you register ahead of the tournament and it's going to start at a later date, at any time between now and the beginning of the tournament, you should be able to unregister. I guess I'm unsure if they had played hands or not this past Sunday. They did. So, the term, right, term so got I, suspended. I don't know if they're going to pick it up from where it paused. Ah, is it suspended oh. or is it... Okay, that's a different thing. Because if yeah. they'd already started and then it paused and was restarted next week, that I kind of understand Yeah, because if I lose half of my chip stack, hey, guess what? I got shit to do next Sunday. I thought they just canceled it before it started and then rescheduled it. Yeah, but that's different. Is different. That well, is different. It is, it is different, but you're still asking people to commit to something a week out that wasn't yeah, previously on I, the schedule. I still think that it should be completely reasonable that people ask for a refund and get one in, in an instance like this. Yeah. But I see it, I, I kind of understand a little bit more why it, like why they would have this policy if the tournament had actually already started. It seems like GG should have to take some type of hit for this. I don't know. It doesn't feel like, um, basically like if, it should, everybody should be refunded, I think. Well, they're, they have it in their own TOS. So customer support, understanding game cancellation, interruption, and refund policy. Um, if you scroll down that Twitter thread, Guapo, you'll find it. What, you actually have to click on the original poster, but you'll find it. Um, it says, in the event of GG Poker servers crashing or GG Poker unscheduled downtime happening, GG shall refund players as described below. Um, GG in its sole discretion shall decide otherwise for any other events disrupting play caused by the licensee or licensee's players. Uh, so it says, if the tournament has not started, GG shall refund all buy-ins and fees to the registered players. So that was... Kind okay. Of, yeah. yeah, that makes much more sense. In the event that the tournament has started and is in the late registration period, that is to say where the tournament allows a user to register as a player following the fixed registration time, or if the late registration period has finished but the tournament has not reached the paid places, remaining players shall be refunded their fee and current bounty if applicable. Regarding the prize pool, 50% shall be paid equally to the remaining players at the time of cancellation, with the other 50% being paid according to chip count of the remaining players at the time of cancellation. So in other words, uh, ICM chop. So this, should, this could be applicable, couldn't it be? Well, it is, it is sure. applicable, and what yeah. they're saying is they're making an exception because it's a WSOP event, and they want you to play for the glory. I think they should, at, at a bare, bare minimum, <laughs> they should just let you ICM chop. Like, yeah. even uh, if you, you just don't have many chips or whatever and you just want to get out of the event because you cannot show up on the day that they've rearranged it for, they should, list, they should just let you get out of it. Yeah. I wonder how long it regs for. Like, if it was just for, like, an hour or 30 minutes or something like that because it feels like... It matters to a degree, yeah. yeah like, it feels like it should be just, everybody should be refunded. It, I was going to say, if it's still in the late registration period, and I'm sure they would get blowback for this as well because there would be people who have chips that's worth a little bit more, but yeah. I just don't see a reason not to refund the entire player pool 
and then just run the event again. And yeah, that's why that's, I, that's pretty reasonable. I say GC, GG should take a little hit because they are going to get a little pushback from players and maybe have to give a couple bonuses. Out. But it's uh, yeah, it would be so small. It's like yeah. if you're still in the if you're still in the late reg period, somebody has like five starting stacks. Like right. how yeah. much could that actually be worth? It's not going to be worth that much. Right, it might be worth like one and a half. Maybe, maybe what they could do is like if you have more than starting stack, they give you ICM value. If you have less, they just give you. Your refund. Shit, yeah. they're out here so charging one point five percent for admin fees. They can figure it out. They <laughs> so can nobody give a loses slight out. Back. Yeah. Nobody loses out, but a few people do get re like GG does take a sm slight hit for paying the people who had accumulated chips prior to that point. Yeah, it seems it seems very uh, important. <laughs> the whole fee situation is just so. Just imagine like tip culture, where like if you're playing like a ten dollar tournament. The admin fee is very small. Mm -hmm. Like if you're playing a thousand dollar tournament, the admin fee is now like relatively decent. Playing a fifteen. So explain to me the admin fee because uh, you guys brought this up prior, but I didn't see anything about it. What what is it, and how does it correlate to the rake? I think it's just an extra fee. So yeah, from what I understand, I, I getting this from word of mouth right now, but like it used to be a 0.5% admin fee. Okay. And now they have raised it to 1.5%. Okay. And how is an admin fee different than rake? I think it's on top of the rake. It's like rake plus admin fee. It's right. the, it's I, the I, resort I, fees of online. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, that was my line of questioning where I was going. Like, we're not talking about having to tip dealers and staff here. Do we get Wi-Fi with this? Who, right. who is making Disconnect this, protection. Who is making this money that is different than the same person making Making the money for rake it's gg it's it's this is the reason it's like when you go to a hotel it's like oh result fee like what is what is this what what is the point of the result fee? that's only, nobody knows only in vegas and it's the biggest scam on earth it's not only in vegas oh it's, really it's all across america and it's in no other countries i've never paid a resort fee anywhere, outside of anywhere vegas. is a casino really? yeah. anywhere is a casino mm. only I, casinos have well I'm not, i think only casinos. I, I thought but whenever whenever i've booked on like booking.com or something right yeah the the thing that always tilts me is they show you it's like this price and then you get to the actual end of the booking page yeah, and it's, it's like 25 60 percent more, more yeah. or something because they've added a bunch of other stuff on now i don't yeah. know if that's actually technically resort fees or whatever else right, it is, right, right. Yeah, but yeah. like the added costs of hotels like i feel like every industry is just doing this now because they realize they can get away with it well, yeah they, this is super uh, cool like airbnb and vrbo is like you you end up paying like an extra 25 percent by the right. time you actually click checkout 100 cleaning they, fees are absurd <laughs> Well, I love Bowie, man. Bowie just gave me a, Bowie gave me a response. I just read in the chat. I wrote, I wrote, someone please explain to me admin fee. Bowie, it's rake back less extra rake. <laughs> it's rake back less extra rake, basically. Taken from a prize of receiving. An example, it's slightly higher effective rake as your ROI increases because your theoretical share of the prize pool is higher. But the main thing is extra rake without rake back. <laughs> Akin to live tourney staff fees. Without the live tourney staff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's I just the, want, it's the fees for the hypothetical funny. online staff. It's yeah. like the virtual staff, the AI staff that they, they are employing. Yeah, the how may yeah, I help you? It's the fees for them. So yeah. this hike, like, is anybody aware of when it occurred or uh, was this public domain? Uh, yeah, I want to say it was pretty recent. This is very new. This isn't something that's been going on for a while because I, I noticed looking at the chat and just seeing that people... Uh, Getting a little bit upset about the the, the admin fees, <laughs> so I want to say here I want to say it was a month ago max. This is like very very new. Mm -hmm. It was almost like right before they started the WSOP online bracelet stuff. They just like sneaked did so, it and yeah. just, just snuck it in there. So somebody said, well, somebody said um, in our chat, Giovanni says the admin fee is only for WSOP events. Oh, so maybe it's actually the money they're paying WSOP for licensing fees. 
Maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, this could just be the kickback that goes to uh, the WSOP brand. Also, um, some of these live birds are being played out in... I'm not sure if the 50... I think maybe the 1500 is just being played out sub-100 people in Bahamas. So once they get down to 100 really? people... Oh, that, yeah, there's some... Yeah, some so, I remember them announcing some of those events yeah. all playing out live. Yeah, yeah, once they get down to 100 people, day three or whatever it is, they're going to be playing it out live in Bahamas. Mm. Interesting. So I guess that's where the fees go. Seems interesting. Yeah. Maybe, but and like, then, and then everybody has to pay a result fee once they get to the Bahamas. But not everybody's <laughs> going. To, but not everybody is going to the well, Bahamas. I mean, the people are that are going. Yeah. If you're top hundred, you are. Yeah. yeah, if you're top hundred, you are. But what about the people, like the thousands of people that aren't top hundred? Yeah, I guess not. They're they pay for the chance paying, to be able to yeah. get the the fee paid for. They're paying for the experience of others. It's like you're paying, uh, for, the, you're paying for the glory of paying. Somebody a said fee. the admin fee is for Lee Jones. <laughs> he just gives us super chats so i'm okay with that Lee Jones fee. is uh is this effectively like communism for breakback fee where it's like everyone pays for it but like right. certain people will use it well, so i don't think yeah. you have a really developed understanding of communism yeah <laughs> so the, it's the communal pool pays for the fee it's so, not communism so this 1500 <laughs> is not being played live okay so that's not it it's not being played live, They're so now it's just... Well, it's even just, if it were, that wouldn't, make, that wouldn't matter, considering it sounds like the extra fee is on all WSOP. It's like yeah. a... Uh, yeah. So it's a virtual fee. Yeah. yeah but I, again, like, it sounds like it might have something to do with the partnership of WSOP if it's only on WSOP events, right? Like, they want their cut of the pie, too. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, what if Daniel was in Vancouver and couldn't stay another week? I bet he gets refunded. <laughs> uh, been hit me with, I bet he wouldn't care. It's for every event that they slap the WSOP name on, so it's not just bracelets. Yeah. So uh, they do circuits, bracelets, ring, yeah, ring events, and everything. Literally it. what I said. Yeah, I'm not I saying you're wrong. Like, no, I was I just understand. making. Was, <laughs> you always think I'm thinking that you're wrong. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's just, not your fault. It's a redundancy. Is uh, is why I have that well, response. You said it with less certainty, and then I said, "Yes, you're correct." That's fair. Um, <laughs> you think I'm always out here to attack you? Well. <laughs> You'll know when I'm here to attack you. Well, I'll say it. Well, I'm attacking you. Okay. You're, you're attacking him for thinking that I'm attacking you're always attacking, you. Uh huh. I'm yeah. attacking you for thinking that I'm always that you think I'm always attacking. See, he you. starts to screech a little bit. If if you give him enough time and enough leeway, he'll eventually screech. I don't think he's screeching. I'm, well, I'm scree- so glad he stopped by doing that. I'm not screeching. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's supposed to be saying that to you he's the surrogate dad for you not you for him right uh along the lines of being disappointed there was <laughs> there were there were some uh pushback tweets yesterday about the announcement of gto wizard and their new fair play check uh as well as their alignment with what i think is only confirmed to be acr at this point um mm-hmm. i'm not sure that anything i i don't even know that acr is like fully confirmed but Nagy did tweet that uh you know they were excited to work together or whatever so i, I guess we can like at least loosely say that gto wizard and acr are uh in some sort of partnership um but dom kind of pushed back initially and said i'm not buying it are we to believe the gto wizard will wait are we to believe gto wizard will sell out their customers i'm not sure what he's implying there i think he's implying that GTO Wizard wouldn't out anybody for cheating if it meant that person was no longer going to be paying for GTO Wizard. Oh, 
I think that's that's bad. That's an insane statement. Yeah, that's yeah. Kind of, I mean, they have like twenty thousand paying customers. If they find one that's cheating, do you think yeah, they care about that revenue? It's the kind of statement that would only be made by somebody who's a direct competitor of GTO Wizard. Like, <laughs> it's like you you wouldn't say that if you were looking at this in any kind of rational way. Yeah, that just doesn't seem very objective at all. Uh, then he says, "Do RTA users even use GTO Wizard in the first place?" Um, but isn't that how this whole thing started? Like. <laughs> How, that's an insane thing to say at this point. Like, isn't the whole reason GTO Wizard is doing this because everybody for like weeks went, hey, everybody's cheating on GTO Wizard. GTO Wizard should do something about this. Like now we're back to asking, is anybody even using Wizard in the first place? Yeah, What's I mean, I, I think it's somewhat of a fair question in the sense that uh, it's probably not the most effective RTA tool. And certainly you could build better ones, but also the community outcry was like, look, if you're not going to have a an obvious... Um, uh, delay put into place, mm -hmm. then we're going to be susceptible to somebody, you know, utilizing this thing in a nefarious way. So it is kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't type yeah. of thing. Um, and then uh, his last question was, how can we prevent abuse slash trust people not to frame others for RTA? Uh, which I think that one, again, is a bit of a stretch. Like the notion that somebody is going to be deep in a tournament with someone else and then run a spot and somehow not fuck themselves is like a gross misunderstanding of how the fair play check works. So in other words, like if you and I are at the same table and there's 20 left and a hand comes up that I'm not involved in, but you are, and I want to frame you for cheating. Mm -hmm. I now run that spot on yeah. my GTO wizard account that is deep in the tournament. And then it sends up a red flag because somebody like I, I now self-report, right? It's just going to trace back yeah. to my account. Right. And also, let's not be, let's be straightforward about this. Like, if you're considering trying to frame somebody else for using RTA, or like frame somebody else for cheating, you're fucking insane. Like, what, what point does that serve? Like, well, how, how does well, that help In, in this anybody? community, if you can make money, people will try. Congratulations. But how, but how do you make money off of framing somebody else for cheating? Get them banned from the event and have an ICM payout to everybody that was affected. You played yourself. And that, that somehow is like a better thing to do than just like try to win. Well, look, like, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm just under, I understand, I understand concerns. Let's put it that way. I, I, under, mean, I understand taking things to the extremes to figure out like how much it yeah. can be gamified. Uh, I, I, I get that. I'm just, I just want to point out that framing people for cheating is not a thing that we have any proof is actually happening. Right. <laughs> like we don't have any evidence that there's somebody out there who's like going around trying to frame people for using RTA because that person would be a lunatic. And, and I think the more important stronger argument here is that it doesn't work yeah. like the gto wizard accounts that are doing fair play checks are are non-anonymous they're connected to somebody who's paying for said service mm -hmm. so it's not like i can just run a spot on my account and then claim that joe smith who was at my table was cheating it's only going to look like i was cheating yeah like that's that's exactly. the the simple nuts and bolts of it. Now, to that end, I do agree with him that game security should be handled on sites and that they're largely at least forward-facingly doing a poor job. Yeah. But we have no fucking clue what's going on behind the scenes and we'll mm -hmm. never have any clue yeah. what's going on behind the scenes because that's the nature of security. Uh and it, it's even taken to a much grander degree whenever you start to get into the regulated markets so as far as like how wsop operates how stars us operates uh how bet mgm um and party operate within the states and the framework of like 
Jersey, Nevada, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania. We don't have even a, a, a semblance of an idea mm-hmm. of what gaming is holding them to as far as standards go. So we have no clue how many cheaters are getting caught because it's all under wraps and they don't do refunds. They don't do outing people. They don't send emails saying we've banned 40 accounts for multi-accounting. We get none of that information in regulated markets. So there is absolutely a severed divide between the customer and the operator in regulated markets that is going nowhere anytime soon. And that kind of brings me to uh, Victoria's feedback, which I'm actually really looking forward to having a more in-depth conversation with her because I think that, I think she thinks deeply about this stuff. And I think that um, these conversations are better served for long form. Um, but I, I can't help but find myself not not seeing her vision uh, with regard to her tweet. And we kind of had a little bit of a back and forth that, that stalled out. But uh, she said, this is not the right move for the poker industry. There should be an open consortium uh, where all tool vendors and, site colla- and sites collaborate on standards to be implemented by all players in the industry along with a cert- certification body. Certification body. Uh, this approach is just designed to further the GTO wizard monopoly. So uh, my, my immediate pushback is that like, I don't understand what that looks like. If we know operators are never going to cooperate with players, which to be more specific, uh, we're not just players, we're, we're specifically customers, right? Like there, there aren't many industries where the customers are the ones that are setting best practices for businesses. Mm-hmm. I think that's like incredibly rare. And uh, maybe there's an opportunity for that to be the case in poker. I just really don't understand how we could ever connect those dots because we are purposefully left in the dark. Yeah. It's a lot like a lot of the conversations that happen about whether we should have some kind of like governing body, you know, some kind of like players council, all of these efforts that are designed to get the industry pulling in the same direction. I think there's, for the most part, there's a lot of those things that everybody kind of agrees would be a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a question of how do you actually create incentives for this to happen? Because we've been around for a while as an industry now, we've been growing for quite a long time and it, you know, we haven't made, made any progress towards that. We've never been able to get to a point where operators could kind of come to a consensus about what the standard is going to be. And we, consistently hear a lot of calls on social media for like this should be standardized this there should be some kind of entity that can can govern this and things like that but we time and time again come back to the point where at the stage where everybody's like kind of thinks this should happen it never actually happens because there's always some incentive driving like in the opposite direction you know yeah what i don't what i don't really follow is uh there is to my knowledge, there is absolutely no prior example of anybody in gaming collaborating with their competitor. There's no example that I'm aware of where Caesars and MGM come together to set best practices or, or anything of that right. sort. I always thought it was like super cutthroat in the gaming industry. It is. Yeah. They don't even share their blacklist any longer. Like oh, really? Back in the 70s, I, I, I know that they did, but at least... You know, from the people that I know that work on the operational side, I'm pretty confident that, like, they don't even share that anymore because what do they care if a cheater goes to their competitor? Mm -hmm. That's a good thing for them, right? So, um, 
as far as I understand, there is like no love loss between competition in this space. And poker isn't going to be any different. You're not going to see Gigi and Stars partnering up together anytime soon to tackle the RTA issue. Unless they're worried about getting a rake fee together. <laughs> Even that, it doesn't, it doesn't work, right? It's just like the gas station's on the corner. You're, you're always trying to set your price as high as humanly possible to the point where the, the, the guy across the street can't undercut you. Wait, but it, that's only because there was a law place. What? For the gas stations. <laughs> Like, what, they what can't doing? they can't like um work together to oh to create a monopoly yeah yeah price, price fixing yeah, yeah 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 of course um but all right yeah bad example you're right um but anyway the the point that i'm getting at is like it's an it, it's the exact opposite of a cooperative uh environment it's it's actually an arms race mm -hmm. if gg can solve the rta problem and stars cannot gg wins all the business Right, like it's not something where they have any incentive whatsoever to right. collaborate together with stars and say, "Hey, let's tackle this together so we can create a healthy ecosystem and ensure that both of us get plenty of slices of the pie." And I don't know what event could possibly ever take place that would alter that conversation to the point where, like, the major figureheads on the operational side all decided to pull their weight and come together to create. A uniform TOS to create a uniform best practice to create uh, a uniform security system that is constantly on the lookout for new nefarious ways of cheating. Right. It's almost like they need each other for the competition standpoint to continually get better, but they're trying to beat each other. Right. Because the opposite is the apps mm -hmm. where there's almost no security. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to add, I think that um, it's also relevant that most of the operators that are in the space of online poker are they're not it's not like a mom and pop site that that comes up it's they're they're owned by corporate entities where the guy at the top of poker stars is answering to somebody else at whatever it is like is it still the amaya group or that, that's something that's only poker stars the rest is owned by like the mafia or something sure but what <laughs> i what i mean is that the person at the top of gg they have an ultimate responsibility to make sure that GG is making money above all else. Mm. And they don't necessarily have the luxury of deciding on a philosophical basis, like, do we want to maximize profit or do we want to do what's best for the industry? Because for the most part, every, every online poker site is in a position where they are a money-making entity that's part of a larger gaming kind of an entity, right? right. In the same way that in a casino, the guy who runs the blackjack tables, his job is to make sure the blackjack tables make as much money as possible. He doesn't necessarily have the right to make ethical decisions that he thinks are you know, best for the, the blackjack industry or whatever. He's just, his job is to, to make money from those tables. And we don't really live in, the, in an online poker environment where we can reasonably expect that a lot of the people at the top of these companies are going to make decisions in an ethical way because most of them have people above them saying you just got to make sure PokerStars prints as much money as possible you just got to make sure gg prints as much profit as possible which is how we end up with all of these you know decisions that are purely based on increasing the bottom line based on margins they're not based on protecting the industry at all right and i think from the flip side when it comes to our ability to influence these operators uh we we kind of just have to understand where we rank in in accordance to uh their priorities we mm -hmm. are customers first and foremost and right. being the loudest voiced pro is almost no different than being 
uh, some shit reg who's grinding out rake back. Right. And the, the, the extent to which, like, if you go all the way up the chain, the extent to which the people at the top of, like, the Caesars Entertainment corporate structure give a shit about what poker pros think about how they handle poker. It's like, we, we could not be less important to them, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it's the same for every individual customer of theirs, but, like, Caesars as a whole and how they treat WSOP as a brand and how that filters down to how we experience WSOP, for example, like the reason why a lot of changes that we think should get made don't get made is because even the people in charge of WSOP, they're just answering to the Caesars people and the Caesars people just do not care about our opinions. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true on like a bottom line standpoint, if you're talking yeah. about like trying to get rake lessened and, and things like or, that. Yeah, anything that's just like affecting anything, affecting, cost, anything that's cost them money. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that that's a big reason why player unions always fall short. Mm -hmm. Like, if you if you offered a utopia to an online operator and said um, you could have an environment that is just all recreationals and nobody who plays professionally, or you could have a healthy ecosystem that's a mix of recs and regs, I th I can almost certainly uh, assume that they would choose the all recreational environment because now uh, acquisition and retention become a lot less considering that uh, the, basically the biggest winner is going to be the rake by a large margin, and no one's really going to have a high win or loss rate otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what, union would, that, that, that's what a union would ultimately cause, assuming that it has any leverage whatsoever. Like The main leverage of a poker union would be to strike and say, like we're going to remove all of our business. So it's well, like, that's what the boycott kind of was for high stakes. Right, and it worked sort of because the player pool was incredibly small. But yeah. if you gave GG enough lead time to ramp up acquisition of recreationals, advertising that all of the good regs have left, uh, I don't think that that boycott would have had a lot of weight. And GG didn't really bend. They really only lessened the rake implications of shorthanded games like heads up and three-handed, which is still important to them because now your game's starting. And there really is that in between between like what's best for players and what's best for site. Where what's best for site is like more players, but at the same time, if you we have what we have now, where the site kind of wants to make as much money as possible, but that doesn't necessarily come at the cost of ethics. Well, I think that you can just look to the app model to understand what uh, what the best case scenario looks like for operators. All of the games, or, or the majority of the games that are running, are insulated to mostly recreational players. The rake is incredibly high, where nobody can ever win. And the acquisition model is baked in with the advertising of, we don't allow pros to play. We like AKA, this. AKA, you have a fair shot of winning. But nobody wins. Correct. You have a fair that's, shot of winning, but nobody wins. Correct. But like, that's, for an operator, that's ideal. Right. There's like a, there's a, a zero-sum element of poker between each individual player where, you know, it's zero-sum, someone has to win, someone has to lose. But it's also zero-sum between the players and the site where the site is looking to garner as much rake as possible. The player is looking to participate in an environment where the rake is low enough and their win rate is high enough that they can actually win. And as the rate goes up and up, it, it changes the environment and it's going to alter those incentives. But there's very, very few instances in which you can, you can definitively say that the incentive for sites and the incentive for players is actually pulling in the same direction. Right, right. And I, I think, uh, again, I think like what we see on the app model is what are, you know, what, what we threaten uh, operators 
the the landscape would be like if we were able to unionize and i think that largely that's where it falls apart because if that environment were created now everybody who cares about money immediately leaves the union and just starts playing again yeah it's like oh these games look real soft right now right they're super soft so it's like i i guess uh i'm hopeful that victoria is able to 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 come from this from a different slant where she can kind of open my eyes to something that i'm missing um what I really didn't understand from this statement is this approach is designed to just further the GTO wizard monopoly. I don't get it because what I understand from their fair play check and what they announced yesterday is simply that they're trying to lessen the evil that is done through their product. So they're trying to get as close to uh, zero impact on cheating as possible. They're not correcting they, cheating. They want to be cheating neutral. Yeah, like <laughs> a carbon neutral. I don't. But I don't cheating <laughs> neutral. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything that they announced basically saying that they're gonna they're, they're gonna rectify all cheating in the poker space, or they're gonna suddenly yeah. become the uh, the layer that detects RTA. Right. I just read it as our product could potentially be used in a nefarious way, and we're trying to get that as close to neutral as possible. Yeah, this is what Ike said. Like I, Ike made a tweet that I did see that was basically making that exact point. And he made it in kind of a funny way where it was, he was saying like, well, the only people who are going to get caught cheating doing this are people who are already using wizards. So at best, it's like, it's neutral. But mm -hmm. like, yeah, there we go. Ike's tweet. Um, to make your site cheating neutral when it otherwise could be a tool used to cheat is like pretty good, I think. Like that's a good, that's a good development in comparison to... It's very conscious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? It, it's very clear evidence that the people that in charge at GTO Wizard are not trying to kill poker. They're not trying to create all these tools where everybody cheats and suddenly now GTO Wizard gets all the money because everybody's using them to cheat. Like, that's not the goal. That's not the intent. Yeah, I, it, it's all very strange to me. Um, you know, as far as like, is this device being utilized to cheat? Uh, I, I have a lot of high suspicions slash potentially some very loose receipts that say there are staples out here that are onboarding their their new players by telling them to use uh gto wizard and gto ai uh in real time either immediately after a hand is played or you know maybe sometimes they push them in the direction of like use it during play type of thing uh just yesterday so this has been out for one day uh one of landon's friends sent him a screenshot of looking up a fair play check hand in ignition um he was playing what 200 uh, zoom 200 zoom so um, i think you have that screenshot yeah uh, so he checked it on fair play and sure enough, uh, he was able to find out that he was being cheated. So this is definitely wow. occurring. Um, and you know, now we have to see what comes of this, right? Mm -hmm. So assuming we assume that this was now reported to GTO wizard, I, th this is kind of the other problem. All they're doing is policing their own product, right? So at the end of the day, this gets reported to GTO Wizard. GTO Wizard then bans the account, or we assume, or suspends the account or offers mm -hmm. some sort of punishment to the account that was utilized uh, in a cheating way. But, you know, that person can now go create another account, mm -hmm. right? And that process is daunting. It's not going to be rinse, repeat forever. There are payment systems that are connected to this that you know, GTO Wizard can just refuse payment from, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's John Smith, uh, one, two, three, five, whatever, uh, coming from a Bank of America account, whatever, at some point, like they'll just flag these accounts and they'll stop accepting payment from people that they believe to be cheating. But even still, like there will always be kind of backdoor ways that 
people who are determined to use this product to cheat will Matt, be able to do so. Is yep. Ignition the site that's anonymous? Yes. Yeah. So does that mean we're we should probably probably be heading towards real names? I personally love the idea of real names. It's um, either real names or anonymous, I think. Well, the problem... I think the problem with anonymous is that it makes it easier to do this sort of thing. Yeah, the rinse and repeat process can just right. go on forever. Right. Like, even if this gets reported to Iggy... Um, and they shut down that, that, that account, he can just open another one. Probably, yeah. Tough but, too, but yeah. Yeah, but but more importantly, uh, we would never know anything about it. Like this, this again speaks to the the veil of uncertainty that the public operates under when it comes to are these things being policed. Whereas if that was a real person, you know, Mike Jones, and uh, this well, gets yeah. reported, yeah, they bear responsibility now. Yeah, yeah. So now, if we see Mike Jones playing again, we recognize that like, oh, Iggy did nothing. And if Mike Jones just disappears, we have a relatively high degree of confidence that it was policed. I mean, we know Mike Jones' phone number. We don't have to worry about that. What? <laughs> the rap I, song, Mike Jones, and he gives his number? I didn't know he gave his number in that song. Oh, my God. I know the song. I don't know the song. But I do know, you, the first time around, you said John Smith, and I was like, John Smith's a heads-up beast. He doesn't need GTO wizard. <laughs> That's true. Like, John Smith crushes already. He, he doesn't need the song. He's his own wizard, for yeah. sure. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. It's it's a it's a bigger conversation that I'd like to continue to have because I think that the the com or not the company the the industry is kind of moving in this direction. Um, you know, Wizard for better or for worse is uh, the forefront at the forefront of this stuff, and they're not just a lookup database anymore. Like I, I think Dom's tweets were kind of implying like, oh, this wonky database is uh, you know just kind of there, and if <clears throat> if people were which it's not anymore because of Ruse. Right, that's the thing. Like now that it's integrated with Ruse, uh, the the power and the capacity to do things in real time uh, are are frighteningly good and accurate. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it, it's 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 also like I I'm I, at least I hope eventually Dom is able to kind of come down like figure out what side of this he's on because at the moment his his sum the sum of his argument seems to add up to like GTO Wizard. It has bad sims and it sucks, but I'm also terrified that all my opponents are going to use it to crush me. And that doesn't match up. It's like if the, if the site and the sims are bad and people shouldn't use it and they should use DTO instead, then you shouldn't be that concerned about it supposedly killing the games. But well, I, I don't think he's concerned about that part. Uh, I, I, at least I don't get that implication from his tweets. What, that, didn't he, like, doesn't he just continuously talk about how everybody else's solves are really bad and his are the only ones? That yes, that, that part I think is true. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. That's just kind of what I'm talking about because he, he constantly says all the solves are bad, but now he's also like everybody's going to use the solves to, to win. It's like either they're bad or they're not, you know? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that he's saying that uh, people are really using it for effective RTA. I, I think he's kind of being dismissive of it being used in that regard. Mm hmm um, but John Andreas kind of chimed in to the thread who runs, uh, I think he's a part of the security team on Global, uh, and basically said, like, some people use it, not a lot, but it does give us, uh, like, points of reference to mm -hmm. look for whenever it comes to RTA detection. And George also in that thread basically said, like, um, as they advance and create the, the database lookup where you can identify if people are playing superhuman, that's going to be a very powerful tool in RTA mm -hmm. detection moving forward. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to just like push back against those points. Right. Like at the end of the day, yeah, it's one company that's doing all this developing and sure 
from the consumer standpoint, competition is king. We would love to see uh, a non-monopoly and, you know, not only have choices, but also see companies pushing each other towards uh, more efficient solutions and safer environments and stuff like that. But for all intent and purposes, like Wizards doing a lot of things right, in my opinion, yeah, I think like so. they yeah. could just they could just they could just do nothing. Yeah, they could right. just operate unthrottled like, and just is, say "fuck you guys, you're buying this anyway." This is the other thing. Like nobody is stopping any of these other sites from doing all the things that they say Wizards should be doing. Like right. nobody is stopping DTO or like I don't know what the one is that like Prometheus or whatever all these other sites are. Nobody is stopping them from partnering with sites to stop RTA and making a making a deal with whatever site. Well, but the reality is they they haven't done it. I so mean, I don't know why they're if a different competitor. So got a deal with the poker site they'd be like oh hey look at us we're gonna deal with the poker site we're here to help things help things be better mm-hmm. so it's like why are you shitting on someone that's doing what you want to be doing right you're just mad that you're not the ones doing it 100 percent. because if they if if gg comes to them and says we want to work with you to stop cheating they're going to say hell yeah but the reality yeah, is but that's if, what they say fuck no yeah and <laughs> but the reality is if they go to gg they're going to say well we don't you know your site is not the industry leader by any means so like we'd rather work with wizard because they have like a massive market share right now so it's kind of one of those things right it's not like the industry leader is not trying to combat the problems that we have as a community Mm -hmm. well to to be clear uh, i i do want to kind of clarify i don't think that many sites are onboarding wizard i think i think as of right now it's confirmed or loosely confirmed that it's acr Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure that it's anybody else I, I know with a very high degree of certainty that GG has passed on previous uh, collaborations with uh, other competitors. Uh, I don't know if GTO Wizards ever talked to GG or not, but I know for a fact that they've passed on other uh, operators coming in behind the scenes. I'm sure Stars and Party are very similar. Like Most of these operators are going to want to keep things in-house. They're not going to want to deal with a third-party that now they have to oversee and try to uh basically it's it's it creates another layer of a potential security breach Mm -hmm. whenever you start to onboard third parties so it's like that third party already needs to be bulletproof and unsinkable and that's tough in the space where everything is so fucking new and moving so fast sure and it's honestly not even best for wizard in my opinion right because you don't want to get handcuffs put on you or guardrails even based off the fact that you are trying to appease the security of sites when it comes to you developing new tech for the the learning space i feel at the same time i guess you kind of you kind of got to start somewhere and like maybe it's like a good a good faith kind of thing it's like hey even if it's call it not biggest sites in the world and like i mean acr is still huge it's like they're working with acr to kind of start Getting the ball rolling in the cheating. I, I take it as that they are basically consultants. Yeah, and if they are, that's a great thing. And if they're not, how it bad can hurt. it be? It can't hurt. Right. How bad can it be? Wizards going to have a ton of data when it's all said and done. And so they, it can't hurt. And they already do anyways. Right. Is ACR not the biggest site in the world? No. GG's bigger for sure. GG is? GG's bigger for sure, and I'm not sure where Stars lands in market I, share I these days. I think Stars is probably ahead of ACR. No way! Really? I would guess, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. ACR is America. In a long time, but. That's wild to me. I have well, a question AC- about... Because um, everybody can play ACR. But not everybody chooses to. I have a question about this fair play check. How does this work? Like, 
does this mean like when I'm playing on WSOP, I can, as long as I know what time I played a certain hand, I can go see if someone ran yes. it yes. at that same time? Yeah. So I just need to know just what time, just exact, what time I the played. The exact board, the, the hand, you need the details of the hand and you and need to know time the time I'm, it happened. Okay. Yeah, that's basically it. Interesting. Yeah, but again, like the the response then to the fair play check is just to flag it to wizard, right? And then let them run it up the like not. Well, right, not I, I mean, I guess like you you could submit your own inquiry to, to like WSOP. WSOP. I wonder right. how good it is. Like, can I put in different suits and it still comes up? No. Yeah, I mean, if you put in like if you in the response that um, a friend sent me, the person that looked up the board put in different suits because they thought that they wouldn't get caught, but yeah. they got caught. Oh, it's yeah, that's that was people the are thing. trying to like oh like it's hearts flush drop but I put diamonds it'll still come up yeah. oh that's smart yeah, yeah very smart because it seems like a very easy workaround yeah, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't see where you were going with it's that. funny because somebody that uh, people think is like uh, not it's potentially superhuman let's not call them bots let's call them superhumans yeah a potential superhuman in the blitz pool in like the 200 blitz pool played a hand against me and I'm like wait a minute like this is not the way that the superhuman would play this hand and then i look at the spot and it wasn't the way the superhuman would play the hand but in the a different spot a friend sent me a hand that he did look up the board so maybe they're looking up certain spots and certain like particular Meaningful nodes called hands. blind versus blind spots that are a lot more intricate and tougher to play right right so maybe when people are using it because good poker players are still gonna be good poker players like if i was quote unquote using something i wouldn't look up every single spot i ever play right mm -hmm. i would just only use it in spots where I'm like oh shit i'm not really sure or my knowledge of this my strategy is very low and like those spots are mostly gonna be like blind versus blind spots because they're tougher wider ranges right playing blind versus blind three bet pots is tough and now you're in this in between of okay here's the answers to these sort of questions i'm not going to need it for the easy spots but this it's funny because the spot that they didn't end up bluffing me was a very easy spot for me he had ace five suited and like didn't rip and like didn't go mm -hmm. for it well how does he not know i mean that he knows that's the thing he's choosing not to <laughs> right right so it was this in between of like okay regs are very clearly choo potential potential regs slash superhumans are choosing spots to be superhuman and then still have their call it own tendencies freestyle. and yeah. freestyle esque. it's like oh i don't think this is going to work out for me very well i'm not going to triple it here versus the i don't know the spot let me look it up they're balancing their cheating range clearly <laughs> sharp more but importantly it's imbalanced because they use spots they don't know more importantly than all this <laughs> i have a csa i don't know here we go I shout out to shut up landon <laughs> shout out to my man jeff platt another Final table Bro, we got on fifth. WSOP he in got the books. Fifth in a Yo, listen, ring. you it's fucking hate. Event. No, I thought it was the bracelet. You don't no, hate Jeff Platt. He got fifth in a ring. Oh, I thought it was a yeah, bracelet. Come on, man. Save it for something that matters. Literally. Th listen, listen, I listen. Don't you talk about my boy Jeff Platt. He barely like that. had a break-even day yesterday. Yeah, you're just mad because you're not on Raya. <laughs> like, you're just so fucking salty that you can't uh, get a Raya except. I should be mad that his uh, recommendation didn't didn't hold any weight. <laughs> I thought he was going to I think his up, recommendation uh, held all the weight. You just, you know, you're just not enough. I don't get it. I, just thought, I thought you were going to bring up Rob Mercer uh, no, uh, saying tomor that. Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, let's, let's move on to... You want to do uh, some strat chat Yeah, to point? a little bit of strategy. <laughs> uh, so today we are going to discuss... What I consider to be uh, maybe some of the most misplayed, overplayed, underplayed portions of people's ranges. Small pairs and suited connectors. They're wow. everybody's favorites, but nobody really knows what the fuck they're doing, best yeah. I can tell. Uh, why don't you take it a little bit from the MTT side, and then I'll kind of weigh in where I think the mistakes are coming from in cash. Yeah, I think that um, for the most part, what people 
kind of don't recognize about these hands is that there's like a there's like a curve of when they're playable or when they're like decent quality hands and it kind of varies depending on whether you're the opener or whether you're the caller or the three better or whatever but there's like a good amount of value to them at shallow stacks when you can just afford to realize a bunch of equity by making a pair and you get it in like when you're 20 bigs deep 25 30 bigs deep stuff like that a lot of pseudo connector hands are fine with calling and just kind of being all in a lot or um you know just ripping over opens in certain spots even um and then um but they're you know they're not going to play that well as opens they're not going to do that well when it comes to like making mediocre draws and making bottom pair and stuff like that and then when you when you get to like middle-ish to deep stacks they get really good because now you're at the point where any flush any straight decent two pairs stuff like that those are hands that want to stack off and then as you get really really deep they start to get worse again they start to get to the point where when you actually make a flush and you get it in you're basically only ever getting it in against the worst flush. You're not going to have a seven high flush and get a lot of value. So I think people don't respond to stack sizes well enough. And I also think that people don't play in a way where they give their opponents any incentive to actually pay them off when they make these strong hands. So like a player that's super tight, adding suited connectors to their range, it doesn't really help you very much if every time you actually make a flush, they still know that you're not really bluffing at a good enough frequency so they don't bluff catch you, right? Like you have to actually be able to get bluff catched when you make a big hand in order for these big hands to be particularly valuable. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think there are three points of emphasis that small pairs and suited connectors um, deserve that are heavily misplayed, misapplied, or not studied enough. First, I think that people play them way too often from early position mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. spots where, to your point, they just don't really generate the EV. Um, a big aspect of adding these types of small pairs and pseudo connectors to your range is kind of twofold. One, it gives you board coverage, which you otherwise wouldn't have, but that's a lot less important when you are going to be sacrificing position throughout the case or throughout the course of the hand in most instances. So it's a lot less necessary when you're already opening a tight range to begin with. Uh, two, it allows you to have future street bluffs in scenarios where it might be a little bit more difficult to reach and find them. You know, when we're talking about like paired disconnected boards, uh, three high cards, this type of stuff, small pairs and, and you know, pseudo connectors with like backdoor uh, possibilities. This is a lot of where you're gonna pull your bluffs from. It, if you have a very tight opening range, um, it's kind of difficult to, to see where you're gonna pull bluffs from on like ace, king, queen. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you don't have a lot of natural Jack X or 10 X that hasn't already connected to this board and, you know, turning pairs into bluffs on a triple Broadway isn't totally unheard of, but it's also like you're kind of pulling from the middle of your range type of thing. Uh, so it's a lot more important to have hands that have natural capacity to have like, you know, nearly zero showdown value, uh, but maybe a little bit of backup equity. Mm -hmm. that can allow you to barrel through also unblocking you know hands that can call and fold etc uh finally i think that um man i should have i should have taken note of this point before i <laughs> i went off into a into a t oh uh i i think that they're highly 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 misplayed slash not existent enough in 
uh, three and four bet ranges. Yeah. So particularly when you get to depth, um, you know, beyond a hundred big blinds in cash. No hundred. Matt, you're talking about connectors and small pairs. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, at a hundred, sure, but uh, I think that your hundred big blind strategies will be a lot more conservative than like what you'll see at like one fifty plus. Uh, and maybe I'm making too too much of a distinction here, but I'm thinking like what happens whenever you start to get to like six hundred big blinds effective, like suited connectors become an important part of like a squeezing range, for instance, in a game where there's just too much calling. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that the natural inclination is like, oh, I want to have a blocker. Mm -hmm. But what you have to understand is whenever you're 600 big blinds deep and you're facing a raise in two callers, you're picking the pot up there almost never. Right. Right? Like, you're going to get action from one of those three hands, and now it becomes important to be linear enough that you do still have board coverage and can actually operate post-flop in a meaningful way where you're not just forced to flop big and then check fold. Like, I'd, in a lot of scenarios, I'd rather have, like, 6-5 suited than ace-jack off. Yeah, for sure. In that squeezing spot. And there's also plenty of spots where once you get to depth, being able to being able to have a set on any board in a three bet pot Correct. becomes pretty powerful. Yep. Like to if, if there's um like let's say you three bet at super deep stacks and you get a board that's like queen three deuce. Mm -hmm. Well now, yeah, you can have a set of queens and you can have kings and you can have aces or whatever. But if they know you can never have threes or deuces, that's actually pretty significant. Correct. And if you Conversely, if you are calling and the board comes like eight, six deuce, well, now your range is like really dense to hands that interact with that board mm -hmm. because you're, you're never three betting any of those low hands to reduce the frequency that they exist in your calling range, right? If right. they exist in your free, three bet range half the time, they don't exist as much in your calling range. So you kind of benefit from that because now your range isn't quite so, it's not smashing that board quite so hard that you incentivize your opponent to just play it super passively and never stack off to you. Yeah, so, I, I, think, I think the first, uh, first implementation of this that I see people get wrong, but it's the easiest place to start, is just button versus late position open. Mm -hmm. I just don't see hands like fours, fives, sixes, and sevens getting three bet nearly enough when you're talking about like a button versus cutoff formation, yeah. button versus hijack formation. Uh, and you know, mostly speaking to live, I'm sure online the, the, this is like commonplace, but even at 100 big blinds, like, I just don't see that button three bet come through often enough with these small pairs. Yeah, well, are you asking just, in, like, in general? Because, like, as current Blitzpool streamer, twitch.tv slash Lane uh, Yeah, there's a lot of middle pairs in the pool. Like, pool goes hard. Yeah. Pool will take, like, hijack, like, seven sixes from hijack. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, like, when you play normal, call it live one, two, live two, five, you'll never see these hands. These hands always never. play as calls. They're pure calls They're pure from calls. every position facing any raise from any position. Yeah. You're just yeah. instantly capped. You don't have back raises. You just put yourself in spots to actually just get rampaged through a three bet from mm -hmm. position. Yeah. This, it, same, same thing happens in MTT too. Celebrate like, September. They just become empty. These low pairs like in MTTs, they just become people's like, oh, I'm just going to call in any spot, try to flop a set. Suited connectors too. I, I think yeah. people like get. Uh, <laughs> I imagine that there are certain player types in pools where the first time that they three bet seven six suited, they get like a little tingle, where they're just like, "Oh, that feels so dangerous." That's <laughs> so funny you say that because, uh, <laughs> but we posted something in the group once where someone equated cold calling the button, like someone opens like under the gun eight and you cold call button, equated that to losing your virginity. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's like. I know it's weird. I know it's strange, but it's good. I promise. Wait, like nobody does that because I think that's like pretty common. Well, like just 
Well, I guess losing your virginity is also pretty common. Yeah, uh (laughs) sure. Um, For a while. Um, Just in the sense of actually playing cold calls pre- Oh, you're like, saying like, like from like a beginner standpoint of like, like oh, most you can call just a button. programmed to just play three better fold. Correct. Or yeah, just yeah. not call the button. That's such yeah. a, that's funny because that's such a, like a recent generation of poker thing. Yeah. Because when I started, it was like <clears throat> three bet bluffing was like the same thing. It was like the first time you threw right. bet with a hand that's not jacks plus and ace king, right? Mm-hmm. Like cold calling was like a thing that we just all did a lot and you just kind of understand that it's part of strategy. And it was, it was probably the, the first time people started taking this three battle fold approach was, I guess it was the beginning of when we started to have access to any kind of preflop sims, which would have been like 2016. And like honestly, that. the reason why people would only play three better fold, and I'm sure like you and for example, plays cold calls from a lot of different spots. Mm-hmm. And why? Because he has ranges where a solve will solve for it, but mm-hmm. you also just have to protect yourself with back raises. Yeah. Right? There's also cool stuff you can do if you give the solve the ability to solve it, but without the technology and the speed, you'll see only three better fold because it because of the rake, like yeah. rake structure as a whole, yeah. uh, computing time as a whole for solves. And then you instantly think, oh, you called in this spot, you must be bad. Mm-hmm. Or you don't three bet here, like you must be not looking at the correct ranges. Yeah. And it's like, this is only predicated on like what people have publicly where privately, like people do a bunch of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like people, do. people like lead out of position on like from small blind and like multi-way spots. Where yeah. Before it's like, what are you an idiot? It's like, no. Yeah. I, I think the easiest way to build these strategies is just to get accustomed to three betting these pairs, all pairs at some frequency, like button versus late position. And then the next step is getting to uh, a level of comfort. Uh, this also applies to suit connectors, but getting to a level of comfort where you do the same from like the small blind. Mm-hmm. Cause again, like these are just positions that people just feel incredibly uncomfortable for whatever reason of putting in an excess amount of money. Well, I know why actually it's, it's in conjunction with one of the things that I said earlier, having future street bluffs. Mm-hmm. They don't start three betting five, sixes, et cetera, because uh, of value, right? Because the hand isn't that good. Like when you get called, you're flipping at best generally. Uh, you're not often going to have your opponent dominated type of thing. So they don't, they, they can't conceptualize it like, oh, this is a three bet for value. And they also can't conceptualize, well, this is a three bet for bluff because uh it's still a reasonably strong hand it's right. fives it's mm-hmm. sixes these hands have showdown value or it's seven six suited this hand is pretty like it doesn't align with either extreme of strategy of like i'm clearly doing this for value or i'm clearly doing this as a bluff and the truth is that's true of a lot of hands like anytime right. we're three betting linearly or putting money into a pot linearly there's gonna be a wide array of hands that don't fall squarely into the value camp or squarely into the bluff camp but their function is that they they either realize equity incredibly well or they can be utilized to deny equity rather mm-hmm. well. And I would say that the pairs fall more into the denial category because, you know, they just run hot and cold well if they can get all the money in pre, like that type of thing. Um, but they serve really well as future street bluffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit of showdown value behind them, but generally speaking, they're going to unblock folds uh, and they're going to be able to you know, naturally barrel off and kind of mirror what the top of your range looks like. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't think it's a, a new thing by any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely been much more trendier these days to start taking the bottom pairs and just rifle them. Yeah, where, way people back are when, understanding where bluffs come from now. They're understanding where bluffs come from, but they're understanding that the pairs don't have the showdown value that they think they do. Right. Where you look at threes on queen jack seven, and you're like, wait a minute. 
I can't actually win with threes. Mm-hmm. It's better to be served as something else where way back when it's like, I have threes, I can't, I don't, why would I bluff this hand? It's too good. Right. And like the nice thing about threes is that sometimes you just arrive at the river on a really shitty run out where you're just like, well, I could still check back and beat 10 nine. Yeah. You know, like there like, are sometimes you just don't. There's check still down. some little inherent aspect of like, yeah, I know I bluffed two streets with this hand, but flush draw missed, I beat ace high. Right, I still do just beat some of his worst showdown. Yeah, yeah. it's huge because then like finding these barrels allows you to uh, win in turn distributions where you otherwise wouldn't find them. Find it, call it turnover bets. Mm-hmm. Like turnover bets notes. Like, okay, I want to use threes of the heart with two hearts on the board because I can get them to fold. I block a certain call in a flush combo, like ace, X of hearts. And then if I do end up getting called, I can still spike the offsuit three. Right. Where if you have threes mm-hmm. without the suit, your three of hearts could be fucked. Correct, yeah. yeah. Spiking the river three is, uh, is a pretty nice draw. It's the, it's the bottom set draw. It's like you have the, it's like the, the bottom of your polarized range, but that bottom can instantly shoot yeah. if, uh, if you spike it. Yeah. Happens five nice. percent of the time. Pretty yeah. nice. It's like the bottom pair trip draw. Exactly. The it's bottom, a very, very powerful, powerful play to have in your playbook. Yeah. Uh, I know I leaned a little bit heavily into small pairs there because I think that they may actually be more autopiloted than pseudo connectors. Um, but I think pseudo connectors are, are grossly misrepresented in a lot of ranges too. Like I think they're drastically overplayed as single raised pot type hands. And, and I mean that in both regards. I think that they are opened way too often by people who, you know, aren't really capable of juggling them being in their range from the position that they're opening they from. just open under the gun nine always. Yeah. And I also think that they are flatted way too often. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. With people who can't really navigate a capped flatting range post-flop. People kind of treat them as the same, but the difference is they know that 7-8 suited is 8 high and pocket threes is a pair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think largely... Uh, this is an area of study that most people could benefit from in the sense that I think the easiest path to having a very strong strategy is understanding uh, polarization, right? So if you can understand your nuts or air region, both preflop and moving through the streets post, uh, you'll do pretty well because you're just going to be able to lean on large bet sizes and you know basically set yourself up for all in. So whether you learn geo sizing or not, uh, even if you just like do it through an escalating uh, sizing matrix, you're going to do just fine because you're going to apply a lot of pressure and you're going to represent that range pretty well. Yeah. Geosizing more important than 100, less so deeper, just because 3x pot on turn, 3x pot river, Ooh. less uh, less apparent in range, right? You're going to have like small percents of range that might want to do that, but in most cases, you'll like max out at 150. Landon, can you grab dust? That's making me nervous. Bro, she's a cat. She's a cat. This is what cats do. This Look. is what cats do. Bro. My that child, is a, my child will learn her drop. lessons. She hit nine that lives. That is a very big drop. I, I promise you, she one. can fall twenty feet and be yeah. absolutely she fine. Would, she would land on her feet. My like, child will learn fun. lessons the hard way. That's right. Um, I'm, what is it? What is it with the, with the rod and the child? <laughs> spare the rod. Right, no. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, very. Yeah. It would. We don't want to advocate that. We're not advocating. We're not advocating hitting our children. Like child. I'm not hitting my child. If my child falls from her own actions. She knows better. The yeah, I, I don't spoil th- the child. Look at her. Look at her go. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't applicable here, but yeah. we tried. Uh, it was a reach. I was going to say, Adrian Peterson does not agree with that. That's that. <laughs> that's that's Who's Adrian Peterson? He was a running back for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> What's who, a running back? Uh, <laughs> Just keep going. Keep finding out. I'm kidding. I kind of know that He's one. an athlete, uh, but he was, he was uh, 
convicted of child abuse, he used to slap his Yikes. son's balls with uh, with tree a belt. branches and stuff too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he damn. would belt the balls. Wow, fuck that guy. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. took a dark turn real quick. Yeah, holy crap. Uh, what, what, so, what suited connectors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think what I was trying to get at is that I think that they're the first thing you can start to look at whenever it comes to that middling chunk of range rather than putting an emphasis on like what do i do with tens what do i do with ace jack suited like those hands play themselves a lot more efficiently than i think people realize they're a lot higher up in the equity distribution they result in a lot less difficult decisions because top pairs are just pretty easy to play when you have seven high six high eight high these hands get like really in the muck because you're dealing with a lot of second pairs, you're dealing with a lot of backdoor draws. Yeah. There's a lot of power within the equity of these hands, but it's not so apparent. So I think like yeah. for most everybody out there, if you're trying to uh, put a bit of an emphasis on your strategy construction and where the holes may be, I would look to that suited connector small pair region and start asking yourself some questions of like, how am I utilizing these hands within my strategy? Would I be better served to kind of eliminate them in the near term until I'm able to build out a more robust strategy moving forward? And then, you know, just think a little bit more conceptually of like, are these the hands that I'm utilizing as bluffs often enough? Yeah, like unironically, when it comes to the pseudo connectors, backdoor trip draw is a very big idea. Mm -hmm. When you turn your pair that doesn't really have showdown when you face a continue, but you block their improves. Yep. Right? That's like true. king, queen, three, turn seven, you block king, seven suited. Good one for overbets. Yeah, we like Sometimes this. you river seven or two, and then you We win. like it. We do like overbets. Hunt, thank you as always for joining me. I appreciate Happy the conversation. I would love to get a little bit deeper into uh, where things are moving with AI, GTO Wizard, and all things alike. Hopefully, we can get some sort of panel together at some point. Uh, maybe do something similar to what I did with Chewy and um, uh, Nick Howard for the MDA discussion. On that note, that's going to do it for us. We are back with Brian LaManna tomorrow. We're also going to have some guests in the building. I thought his name was Tortoise. It is the Tortoise. Who, who's Brian LaManna? <laughs> you know, who are the guests? He was supposed to be back last Friday, but apparently Tortoise has moved quite slowly across the country. So we're <laughs> expecting his arrival around noon Pacific tomorrow. Noon Pacific in 2032. That's I right. Guess. Yeah. Uh, all of you be sure to tune in. Make sure you smash that like and subscribe button. Don't forget to leave us a comment below. Let us know how suited connectors are working in your strategy. We appreciate you all as always and we'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye.